0: This morning, we are not going to be reading what is written in your bulletin. We are going to be in the Gospel of John, however. John chapter 14, verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, as we turn together to your scriptures, we pray together that the words that, that are spoken and the meditations of our hearts that might be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray all this in your most holy and precious name. Amen. So, um, Jaron was going to preach today, and then he called me last night at 11 o'clock, like I mentioned, to tell me that his dad uh, had just passed out, and they were on their way to the ER and asked if it would be okay if I, if I would be able to preach. And I said, sure, um, I mean, yeah, it sounds great. And um, and he said, well, I'll email you my notes. And I said, oh, don't bother. And uh, he did anyway. (laughs) And I didn't bother reading them. So, yeah. uh, What I decided to do instead was to just share a little bit about what I'm thinking about. Um, So last night after I got the call, I was already asleep, by the way. And, uh, and the call came and, um, and uh, answered it. I was very concerned. Tom's a wonderful man. I, I think some, a lot of you have met Tom. Tom, Tom and uh, Jerry. Don't, no jokes. Hold the jokes. Tom and Jerry, Jaron's parents. Um, they, uh, they visited often, and they are super nice people. And so I was very concerned. That sounds bad. It sounds like if they weren't nice people, I wouldn't be concerned. That's not what I mean. Right, but I was very concerned for Tom. I like Tom, and um, and so I am glad to hear that he seems to be doing better. But after I had that initial conversation about what's going on and things like that, I hung up the phone, and I began to think, what am I going to talk about? Um, the first thing that I thought about was, you know, I've got this. I'm not much of a journaler, a journaler, but I do have a journal, and uh, I keep in here my thoughts that maybe one day will become sermons. And I thought, well, let's just, maybe that'll be a good place to go. And so I did want to share a couple of my thoughts with you, things that I've written down over the last uh, few weeks. We anoint something to reveal its sacredness, not to make it sacred. For example, uh, we baptize not to make forgiven, but to r- reveal forgiveness. Just a thought. Our origin story begins with good and very good. It does not start with bad. Reason has huge control needs, faith does not. Religion has become a degraded rationalism. Just my thoughts. Faith does not require you to be perfect or right. Reason does. Okay, here's one that's going to give you an inside scoop into me. The people who annoy me the most are the ones who remind me of me at my worst. A Christian is a person who can see Christ in everyone and everything. Everything. The church is simply a group of people gathering together to worship God, trying to follow Jesus, learning to submit to the Holy Spirit. I think that's a Trinitarian understanding of of who we are as a people. You want me to say that one again? Sure. Uh, The church is simply a group of people gathering together to worship God, trying to follow Jesus, and learning to submit to the Holy Spirit. When we become defensive, when we believe something is above criticism, it reveals, and I got this from Richard Rohr, it reveals what he calls shadow. Anything that is not God is not above criticism. Our inability to critique is part of what plagues the Christian tradition. We need to understand this world is sacramental. Not all things are God, but God is in all things. I am sacramental, but not the center of the universe. Here's another thing I found really interesting. This phrase, incarnational exchange. It's when you receive something, but then you pass it along for the goal of transformation. Power without ever experiencing powerlessness is dangerous. We have to be careful not to think that we only had to join without any transformation. So those, those were thoughts. Um, and then I closed my eyes and I said, Okay. Lord, I need to know. Like, what should I talk about? And this passage of Scripture that I just read popped into my mind. It just popped into my mind. So whatever you want to take, you're like, okay, that was God speaking to me, however you want to take it. But this is what popped into my mind. And actually, it wasn't the way it's written in here. It was like, uh, my peace, I leave with you. Remember that one? That sounds more familiar to you, Uh, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. And then I laid there thinking to myself, well, first I thought to myself, now it's midnight and you're still not asleep and you're going to have to get up and write something, so you better get to sleep, which never works, right? Telling yourself, you better get to sleep. And so then my mind began to race again, which happens to me all the time. And I know, uh, much to the uh, dismay of people close to me, my mind races all the time. But what I began to wonder is, what is this peace that Christ is leaving his disciples? What is it? What does it mean to have this peace of Jesus, this peace of Christ in our lives? And then I began to think about this. Well, commonly what we talk about is this peace that surpasses circumstances, right? Have you, you've heard that, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure I've preached on it, especially during Advent when peace is one of the ones that we do, right? We talk about the prince of peace, and so we talk about this idea that, that peace is this thing that surpasses all, that it doesn't mean that there's an absence of conflict, right? You've heard this before. It's not that there's an absence of conflict, it's that you can have peace within conflict. Okay, that sounds great. Um, but I think that the peace that we call security is a kind of peace that's present when everything is going well, right? So a lot of times when we talk about I'm seeking peace, I want peace in my life, what we're actually talking about is security. We don't mean peace, we mean security. And what I want is I want security in my life. And we can experience that, we think we're experiencing peace when everything seems to be going well in our lives. I now have Peace. Everything is running smoothly in most areas of my life. And most people, I think, have experienced moments of that. And just as many people, if not more people, have also experienced that this peace is extremely fickle. Nevertheless, it seems to be what the majority of us aspire to. When we say we want peace, what we mean is we want everything to stay just the way it is in a way that makes me feel very comfortable. That makes me feel secure. And when I have that, then everything is good. But one moment, everything might seem so pleasant and praiseworthy, but in the next moment, it's exactly the opposite. So this morning, when I got into the office, I Googled, because that's academic research, (laughs) plus what usually takes me hours to write, I had 40 minutes so I googled and I said peace of Christ and I went to YouTube because that's where you can really find good stuff and and I looked it up and what I found is that for most people the peace of Christ is the equivalent of an anti-anxiety drug have the peace of Jesus and you won't have any anxiety in your life no matter what goes on won't that be nice what a crock Because here's the problem, I think, with that thinking. I think with that thinking. Follow me. All right, is this. Then the moment that I do experience anxiety, I think I'm not being faithful. I think somehow the peace of Christ has left me. See, I believe that this peace that Jesus leaves us is more than that. It has to do with something bigger than just anti-anxiety in our lives because if that's the case and i don't know when's the last time i was in books a million are the bibles near self-help pretty close right ever since amazon Um, (laughs) The Bible is not self-help. Jesus' peace that he leaves is not self-help. It's not so that you can experience less anxiety in your lives. Now, hopefully we do, but that's not the point. You see, this passage is part of a larger section where Jesus is offering words of comfort to his disciples. Look at verse 1 in chapter 14. It says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled, Trust in God and trust also in me. And so it's not just about don't let your hearts be troubled, period. There's there's something that comes with the peace, which is a trust. A trust in Jesus. A trust in God. There's something more. Verse 16, same chapter. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Words of comfort. But what's the point of the Holy Spirit? Go back to my notes earlier. It's about being able to be moved and motivated and and inspired by the Holy Spirit to do the works of God. The Holy Spirit isn't a comforter, it's part of it, but that's not it completely. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit's an agitator. Yeah. He mentions that there's no need to be troubled or afraid, right? So don't be troubled or afraid is the passage we read. Or right there at the beginning of the chapter, don't let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Don't be afraid. So the question becomes, what are you afraid of? Because maybe peace has more to do with being the opposite of fear than it does with self-help and and anti-anxiety. Maybe, maybe, peace is is the antidote of fear. So what are you, like, seriously, what are you afraid of? I think about things that, what am I afraid of? I Am I afraid of losing my house? Maybe. Am I, I'm not, I I will say this, I'm not afraid that Denise is going to leave me. She would have already. (laughs) Probably rightfully so. Um, I do have fears for my children at times. Right? Especially now that I've got one that's 18 years old and is getting ready to go off to college. Don't think for a moment, young lady, that you're now an adult, <laughs> right? But I, I have, like, I, you have these, and we, we want to temper them by saying, well, they're just concerns, right? It's just a concern. Um, what else am I afraid of? I'm just trying to like, think this through, and I would encourage you, like, think it through. What are you afraid of? It's interesting because, like, a lot of times we say, "Well, I'm like, I." If we're honest, and we sort of whittle down into it. I'm I'm afraid of change, which is interesting because, as long as you're alive, the one thing you can guarantee that you're going to experience is change. Right? We've talked about that. I, I, I don't like change. My body is not liking change. But like, spend time. What are you afraid of? Because I think here's the thing. Fear leads to the loss of peace for ourselves first and then for others. Because as I experience fear, I begin to lose my peace. And then because I've lost my peace and I'm now controlled by fear, you, if you are around me or not even around me, maybe just can read social media posts by me or whatever it is, I will now create fear and anxiety and a, or at least a lack of peace in you. See like for example, if I'm afraid that my reputation is being tarnished, I'm going to do everything in my power to discredit the person responsible. Why would I do that? Because I'm afraid. What am I afraid of? I guess another thing I could add to my afraid of list is what people think of me. Or if I am truly afraid for my children and their future and what they're going to be, like, you know, is my son going to ever be able to be a responsible human? Um, You know, things like that. Then, then I'm going to treat him a certain way. I'm going to treat him differently. And the fact of the matter is I'm treating him out of my fear, not my love. Peace conquers fear. But fear can throw peace right out the window. How are we interacting with each other? From a place of peace or a place of fear? Fear. So it has to do with this. The other thing I talked about too, right, was this, was, oh, what did I say? I hate that. I write it down and then I can't remember, um, which is why I write it down. Incarnational exchange, right? You receive something and it becomes this incarnational exchange when you then share it. You receive Jesus who was the incarnation of God. You receive this and then you share it for the transformation of the people and the world around you right so it's not just enough to receive the peace we actually have to work for peace matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says this god blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of god remember that one blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of god remember 2 years ago that was our theme for the year Anybody remember that no. Does anybody remember the theme for this year? No. It's, uh, um, it, it's, it's reconciliation. Yeah, it's Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It's about this idea of we're in the ministry of reconciliation. Um, does anybody else feel tired about talking about peace and reconciliation? It's tiring. We need it. So Jesus says, those who work for peace are called children of God. It's not just enough to receive peace. We have to work to bring about peace. right? But when I'm motivated by my fears, I'm actually working against peace. And if, if we are called by Jesus to be working for peace... But I'm motivated by my fears, which means I'm actually working against peace, peace of my own life, peace of those around me. That would mean that I'm actually working against Jesus. If my motivation is fear, I am working against Christ. Let's take a moment and let's do what we all love to do. And let's just take politics, for example. Right? And I'm not going to get into partisan politics. I want to talk about the politics of the gospel for a moment. Right? But look at it. One side's going to have you believe that they, whoever they are, are out to give away everything that you've ever worked for. Right? And then the other side would have you believe that the world is being run by hate mongers. And then everyone's afraid of the other, whoever the other is. It's either you're going to take everything away from me or you're just full of hate and you hate me. And so not one side is peddling fear. Everybody's peddling fear. And what we're doing when we get involved in that is we're generating more fear, which what what that means is we are working against Jesus. my goal is to make you think the way I think and in order to do that I have to make you afraid I'm working against Jesus I, I, I knew this woman one time, I'm sure I've shared this who um, she used to go to a church that I was, I was preaching, teaching, pastoring whatever at and she had left many years before, but she did my taxes for me. And so I would go and I'd sit and I'd talk with her. And finally one time I was like, why did you leave that church? It's a great church. And she goes, oh, I know. The people are so wonderful. I love them so much. Which always floors me, right? When somebody's like, I left that church. Why? I, don't, I just love those people. Okay. But anyway, I said, okay. And she goes, but it was all about love. And I said, oh, And you're going to have to expand on that for me. And she said, I need rules. I need to know who's in and who's out. I need to know how far I can go. Because for her, and, and she was a wonderful person. I, I think she's still a wonderful person. I haven't heard that she passed away. I just shouldn't do my taxes anymore. But she, she her faith was more about a fear of going to hell Than it was about loving people into heaven. What does it say for us when our faith is more about fear than it is about peace? What are we afraid of? So, what should we be doing? How about Micah, chapter six, verse eight? What does the Lord require of you? I should have put a note by it. Anybody remember that one? There it is. Ah, I got it. Look at that. You should all be impressed right now. I was able to turn to Micah. All right. Micah chapter six, verse eight says this: "Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good." What should you be doing? If you're working towards peace, this is what it should look like. This is what is required of you. Do what is right. Don't do the correct thing when you can do the right thing instead. Yeah. Think on that one today while you're watching football. <laughs> Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Bishop Job says, do no harm, do good. Stay in love with God. I think it's pretty similar. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And then one of the rules is if you break, if you if you do harm, right, then if if you do harm. Let's see, do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. If you do harm while you're trying to do good, you've actually broken the first rule. It's tricky. Right, there's unrest in our human nature, egotism, arrogance, impatience, wrath, anger, mercilessness. These things want to assert themselves, especially when we feel threatened. We become fearful, and as a result, we don't rely on God's peace in our circumstances. We rely on our egotism, arrogance, impatience, wrath, anger, mercilessness. I'm simply defending myself. Never said, never, those words, I'm simply defending myself, those are words that were never spoken by Jesus. Jesus. Paul writes this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 21, if you want to go look it up. If we do that, the results are going to be peace. But if we, if we do the opposite, as most likely all of us have experienced, the result is unrest, not only around us, but also within us. was in a Bible study years ago, another story I'm sure I've told, we were talking about this ridiculousness called grace. And one of the men who I deeply admire spoke up and he said, Jeff, you're naive. That's not the way the world works. To which I said, you're absolutely right, but we're not called to be the world, are we? If you can't tell the difference between a Christian And a non-Christian, there's a problem. It goes back to this idea that I wrote in there that says somehow we have confused the idea that all you have to do is join and you don't have to be transformed. Christianity was never about joining. It was about being transformed, and it is today. Maybe the real question is this. Maybe this is the real question that, I'm, that I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm struggling with. Maybe I need, do I truly believe the way of Jesus is enough? Do I truly believe that? Right? Do I truly believe that what Jesus taught is really the right way to live? Or did somebody need to look at Jesus and say, that's not the way the world works, Jesus Philip Gully. I just finished reading one of his books. He's a, he's a Quaker pastor. He writes this. I am at peace with Jesus. Fully appreciative of his courage and grace. Moved by his compassion and stirred by his example. For me... It's not necessary to see Jesus at the right hand of God to defend his perfection or to follow a star and sing his praises. It's enough to simply hold his lovely life before me and aspire to such loveliness myself. So maybe even a better question to ask ourselves is this. Who is Jesus to you? I mean, if we're going to follow him, we probably need to answer that question. Amen.